right, welcome to Gain It For Riffs, uh, here, uh, the podcast uh, that is only about riffs. The only one in the world, probably. Yeah, yeah, the first and only podcast about riffs. Yeah, we haven't checked it or anything, but we just assume, why not? Sounds like a bold claim, right? It could be a bold claim, but I, I couldn't see there being any other podcast about riffs. Uh, no, no, no. Would have found them by now, right? Because that's what I'm looking for. Uh, I, I, I did a Google search and then I just uh, clicked down the window immediately because I didn't want to know. Really, I just <laughs> yeah, want yeah. I just want to do you? this. <laughs> Doesn't really matter. But for example, for example, I listen to Deep Purple podcast and it's still the only podcast about Deep Purple. Ah. that's a bigger topic, I think. Yeah, but do, what what happens like if if a uh, if a podcast has the same uh, exact if it has the exact same theme and uh, the same uh, issues as another podcast? Do they uh, fight about it do they merge together like or does it matter you know i don't i don't uh, know much about podcasts i'm just doing my podcast our yeah, podcast i'm kind of uh, i'm kind of narrow in the field of podcasts i don't like the, the the big ones especially not the big swedish ones when there's a couple of celebrities speaking about sex or something mm. that's the last thing i want to listen to but uh, in in the nerdy world of like say rock podcasts or uh, uh, music podcasts uh, usually they 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 don't merge obviously but they do guest each other's shows and stuff so it's a it's a kind of uh back scratching community i would say yeah yeah no for sure um so our thought was really to go for something that we know or something that we actually like to talk about <laughs> and with yeah uh, or just something to talk about really right? yeah but but i think with with you and me it's really like uh it, it you if if you would boil down like the the few things we talk about you know the riffs come pretty high up on the list i think so it's it comes it comes natural to us i think yeah i would say so riffs uh, it's just a fun thing to center it around and we had that old title gain it for riffs we're not mm. going to say where we stole that from uh no it's been it's been on and about it's like a little meme for us before there was a part there was a little meme gain it for riffs for sure. I mean, if, if someone figures it out, uh, either they will sue us or uh, you can win a prize. Yeah, I think whoever figures it out uh, will just have a like an in on us. They could request riffs, and we'd have to do that. <laughs> okay, so it's a, a year of uh, a year of Pearl Jam, a year of Nickelback. Oof. Yeah, yeah. It's speaking of that, if you want to uh, request a riff or just uh, comment on something from the show, you could uh, reach us at gainitforriffs at gmail Oh, ah, <laughs> it's not been yeah. registered. Yet. We haven't registered it yet, but <laughs> we need a few addresses and, and domains and stuff. But uh, at this point of recording, we're not there yet. Well, we we do have a a, a Reddit uh, account, uh, Gained for Riffs. So we have there's that appropriately nerdy as well. Reddit, it's Maybe perfect. Best, best forum, I guess. I'm not there, but I just get the vibe that that's one of the few ones that actually like has has some interesting and good discussions going on. Yeah, it, it has a bit of uh, it, it. It is like all encompassing. It has the whole world. Uh, I think if you want to read about riffs, you can go there. But uh, let's see if we can't make this podcast kind of this hub for uh, the discussion. You know, uh, going forward, home for riffs. Um, the home of the home of the riffs. Gain it for riffs. You heard it here, folks. Um, what do you say we uh, kick it off with today's first riff? Yeah, I think we should do that. Yeah. Would you like to start? Yeah, I could start today. Uh, this time you don't know the riff, uh, but mm. I'm sure you could pick it up. Um, let's try. It goes something like this. Mm. 
You know it? I'm a bit stumped. I, I, I want to say The Haunted, but that's not right, right? There is the right country. It's, <laughs> it's a Swedish riff. Yeah. Shit, what is it? Yeah. I think you might know it. Um, it's, uh, I'm drawing, drawing a complete blank. <laughs> I wonder if this right. yeah, secret... I'm going to put it out now because otherwise yeah. we'll get stuck here. <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's a riff by Opeth. And it's Opeth. It's a song called The More. Oh my God. Uh, from uh, Still Life, no? From Still Life, yeah. Fourth album. And still a small band at that point. Really a small band. <sighs> That's really... Okay. But it really doesn't sound like Opeth, this riff. To me. Yeah, m maybe if you if you'd like... Um, they're so orchestrated... Uh, so maybe when it's pulled out, it's harder to get it. It's really, it's really, it's fun because I was looking at, um, uh, I was listening to Still Life the other day because I was thinking if there was a riff uh, from uh, the Serenity Painted Death song. Oh yeah, that would have been cooler actually, but I don't know that riff. Yeah, I was time. looking at it, but then I, then I remember, okay, this song, it's nice to talk about uh, because it, that song just ends, right? It's just like... Yeah, yeah, it cuts at the end. It cuts very abruptly. And it's like they, just they a... They did that a lot in the 90s. It's supposed to signify death or something like, ah, now you're dead, so you don't even get an outro, which I don't know <laughs> if I'm really into that no. idea. Uh, a... I think the most famous one is uh, by Dream Theater, uh, Pull Me Under. Actually a pretty good song from a band that I don't really enjoy, but mm. that song is pretty good. But it has the same silly conceptual, it just stops because now you're dead. You know, I don't know if I like. I'm, it. I'm kind of working on a John Petrucci beard right now. It's the 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 guitarist. Uh, he has this big black yeah, beard. Yeah, like a, a I'm huge. More and more like Italian. That. It's an Italian beard. Yeah, of sorts. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I think most Swedes couldn't get that, but uh, for some reason you have a, a, a cool genetic mutation yeah. or something. <laughs> so you get a black beard. If you get if you get the Mike Portnoy beard, then I might uh, keep this one. I think. <laughs> Yeah, it's blue color beard. it pink or something. It's blue. It's, it's the blue beard. Neon blue, pink. blue. Yeah. He, he only plays the Hello Kitty drum kit uh, nowadays for uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, joke yeah. websites. He, he does, he does. Actually, he does that pretty well. I like that side yeah, of him. <laughs> uh, but I would say that uh, Diane Bagdarrell nailed the beard better. The, oh, yeah. The, the neon color beard mm. thing. For sure. Okay, so we got Opeth. And what was the song again? Uh, the more I'll play, I'll play the riff yeah, again please. to remind the refresh. <laughs> yeah, it goes like that, and uh, like you say, it's heavily minor. But uh, what makes it kind of different is that the figure, this one, is in A minor, but the, the root note under is. Makes it a little bit heavier mm -hmm. and um, also turns it into kind of E Phrygian, you know, Phrygian. the Metallica scale. Yeah, you have the wherever I may roam, uh, right? Yeah, that one has a lot of passing notes, but uh, surely it's uh, based around Phrygian. Mm -hmm. And uh, this riff also has some passing notes. I learned this very, very early on when I was new at guitar, and I, I noticed that all these notes were in it. Uh, let's see here. So it's very chromatic, right? That's yeah. two chromatic figures there, but they kind of hide it, so it's still kind of pure, but then 
has that blues note in it. And Opeth use that all the time, so you get the kind of that tension. And then at the end, they have that kind of uh, almost rock and roll ride. Which is all the notes around. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so they're using a lot of ugly notes, but make it sound very clean and musical at the same time. That's what I like about that riff. But I think I'm not really that disappointed that you couldn't pick it out because <laughs> again, it's it's so so much orchestration surrounding it that yeah. makes it sound really cool. They got ebos running and just like charging up the mm. songs. Well, it's a really good record. It's uh, but I think listening to an Opus record is more like you get into. Uh, the whole vibe of the record it's, it's not just uh, like it's not oh, not that often for me that a riff stands out it's more the the whole uh, experience uh, at least when I used to listen to Opeth which was a lot uh, 15 years ago um, yeah. So it it is a, it's a bit. Uh, I can see. I, I see it myself that I, of course, I I can't pick it out because I don't, I know the record. I don't know the riff, and um, whether or not that speaks to the uh, uh, to the power of this particular riff or not. I mean, it it is part of a, a whole of the whole context. But I would give for sure give the song a listen. But I have a technical question because uh, you say uh, yeah, sure for me I. I learned guitar like by riffing <laughs> i did, didn't do any theory anything like that but lately i've been picking it up and you said uh that there was a mix by uh with the uh, uh, chromatic notes and are those just semi notes uh just semi notes yeah just semi notes so you have from a this is a you have um, all these notes in the riff around a and then around e you have on the high E yeah. and on the low E. So it's uh, all the surrounding notes, semi-notes around E and A are in the riff. And kind of cleverly spaced out so that you don't feel... Uh, you don't. This doesn't sound chromatic. Maybe they run at the end. It's, it's kind of chromatic. And they dabble always with those kind of... In, in a great song called The Funeral Portrait also has a lot of those kind of uh, rock and rollish oh, yeah. runs. Yeah, for sure. Uh, in the triplet triplet rhythm patterns. I was I was actually looking for uh, at another open drift, but I, I will keep that uh, secret because I, I think that's a good one to pull out later. I think that's maybe one of their most memorable riffs. Uh, but let's leave it at that. <laughs> let's leave it at that. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. I, what, what I want to ask you is, um, how do you feel when you uh, play this riff or? Yeah, actually play it. Uh, yeah, I think uh, the reason I picked it is because it's uh, a little bit adventurous. That's the mm -hmm. word that comes to mind. It's like the beginning of an adventure, here we go, kind of thing. And uh, the the album is uh, kind of, uh, um, uh, what's the word again? Concept, concept record. Yeah, this is a conceptual way. And, and album. It yeah. starts with, as I, I haven't studied it or like I haven't went in depth on it, researched it, but it's for me, it's start of it seems like someone who is kind of banished from the city, something like that, you yeah. know, he's thrown out of the city. Uh, so, uh, and he's uh, referring to wearing a death mask at birth, which is um, some kind of thing that could happen with the, uh, you're born and you got this kind of uh, extra skin on top of you, like a, You have the, the, it's like the, the not the womb, but the, uh, you have the sack uh, uh, still around you that that you uh, lived in, like the where the the birth water that gave you life. Yeah, it's exactly, still, it hasn't exactly. broken. So, 
uh, you can be born like that with that around you. Uh, and yeah, it's a, uh, it's not that serious. You 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 get cut out from it, but it it looks uh, uh, kind of weird. Uh, my, my son yeah. wasn't born like that, but uh, I I read <laughs> I read a lot about birth before, and I saw images. <laughs> yeah, of obviously, this. I was like, yeah, I was hoping I don't. You're the expert here because you're like you just became a dad. Just recently, yeah, so. five months ago, and uh, uh, just a small. We're not going to talk about that too much uh, uh, until he starts playing his own instruments <laughs> and yeah, he joined yeah, us when he gets in the show. The riff world, but uh, he, he started very clearly headbanging when I played uh, riffs the other day, and uh, he continues. Yeah, he man. likes music, and he actually likes when I play the guitar. He really looks at my fingers; it's promising. Kids headbang. That's uh, I like that. I, a lot of the young fathers I know obviously are into headbanging, so uh, they will yeah. report when their kid uh, pulls their first headbang. <laughs> but maybe you know, it just goes to show that it's a primal uh, activity. It's <laughs> not something. It's not something you learn or you know. Just like, let's figure out how to headbang. Yeah, so but, but I think pure it, expression of joy and feelings. Yeah, I I, I get the feeling though that the re repetitive uh, nature of riffing is just perfect for little children that they they get something that they recognize immediately. Like, oh, he just played that, or this I just heard. Oh, that's really nice. And then I hear, oh, it's one more time, and I get super excited. You know, that's very kind of basically how kids work. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I, I think, think it's so. really how people work in general. You, you kind of keep that uh, that joy for sure into music. In, at least in my world of music, it should never be too, uh, I guess, uh, it should never be figured out. You shouldn't figure mm. out music. It should always stay that way that it's a kind of a, um, stay emotional, I guess, yeah. uh, with, with music nice. and uh, get the feeling of it. Yeah, uh, yeah, but maybe there's a future for Opeth kids as well, or Opeth teens. I mean, you can do anything with the music these days. So. Yeah, for sure, man. A lot of these bands that uh, we like, we got into them way late in their career. Uh, Black mm. Sabbath, Iron Maiden, Metallica, Metallica <laughs> to, name the big, to name the big guys. And uh, what I wanted to add to that is that they still get so much young fans coming out. Yeah, the Black Album sells a thousand copies a week, still. We, really, it hasn't on, on, been a single week since it was released. It hasn't been a single week when it did when it sold three digits. That's insane. It's been up there four digits on a CD or uh, on yeah, I guess digital? mostly CD, mostly CD, I guess. And I I read this in 2018, so there's no fact check for the last two years. Yeah, maybe it went under the thousand line, but 2018 was already way beyond the death of the recording industry, and still at that time it was a thousand copies a week at least. That's Amazing. I mean, it, it is. Uh, we were talking about this the other day. Like we, you, you go and uh, we, we, we will get into this even more when we talk about Metallica. But we have our periods that we really go <laughs> into yeah. Metallica. We just like watch videos of them, like li different live uh, videos. And uh, just now, recently, I think I'm in the middle of one of these periods, and I'm <laughs> I'm watching, you know, like Master Puppets from some. Uh, uh, what was it? This one that you liked, uh, where it's raining in Manchester. Yeah, Manchester. Manchester. That's awesome. 2018. And, and you go down in the comment second, second uh, uh, comment section. section. And you still got this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> these comments that were 10 years ago like yeah here we're watching history in the making guys <laughs> yeah bow down to your phantom lords i mean it's it's this uh it, it's the same 14 year old I mean, it's it's amazing in a way it really is and uh, there's such an abundance of of quality metallica material online a lot of it is by their own crew and and then there's a lot of by fans which has extremely high quality and there's uh 
comment uh, channels, overanalyzing the band, and uh, you know, it's an abundance of, of material. So it's mm. that's I think why it's so easy to to kind of fall into a Metallica period mm. again and again. Mm. Uh, do do you have Opeth periods? Is that also a thing? Uh, not really. I don't really listen to to that band anymore, and mm. uh, I feel okay about that. I feel like they still got a ton of fans. I mean, if you listen to this show, I'm not entirely sure if you know of them, but they're still one of the five biggest uh, hard rock bands of Sweden. Mm. And they have been for quite a while. So I feel like they're doing great without me as a fan. <laughs> yeah. You know, so yeah, I, yeah. I, I, if I listen, I go back to Blackwater Park and Still Life normally. And mm. uh, the last album was a nice curiosity for me. It's not bad. Mm. Great, uh, great production on that one. Cool arrangements. I like that he went for Swedish... Uh, lyrics but ah uh, i'm no longer a fan that's just how it is mm. they might come back and uh, you know I, I, it was fun to pull out this riff so yeah no definitely i think uh, f- for me i really enjoy uh, michael okefeldt when he talks about music because he has such a huge uh, uh, record collection and like interest in well uh, predominantly 70s psychedelic music and exactly. he, from him i get a lot of tips uh and um the, there was this there is well, it's, it's a weird um a, re- a really uh, uh obscure album that he found by uh, linda pernax uh, have you heard it uh, yeah parallelograms it, yeah or, or parallelogram uh, yeah exactly that's a fantastic album awesome record awesome record i i, I mean i, I couldn't recite it because i haven't listened that hard to it but i know that it's really good quality stuff like mm. uh, timeless really timeless quality and he brings out a lot of those gems a huge nerd and he's a huge advocate for for music yeah i uh, heard him recently on fredrik strage's podcast and uh, that was just a great episode it's just nice yeah. to hear him speak and he has a voice that sounds like old school stockholm right <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah, i mean there's a vibe we... of 70 stockholm from him when we were a bit younger, when we went to the Melotron and this uh, vinyl record store in Gamla Stan that doesn't exist anymore, but he worked there uh, for many years. And I think we, I think we saw him there a couple of times just before Opet got big. Uh, yeah. But he really fit in there, like the you know he was like the tapestry on the wall. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and he has like addressed this. Per- he has perfect this, guy. He for... loved that job. He loved that job, but he didn't take out a single paycheck. He did it all in records. Yeah, <laughs> uh, perfect. <laughs> yeah, why not? You know, it's very easy. Then they don't even have to legally hire him. He could just yeah. be there, and they happen yeah. to give him records now and then. Uh, for sure. I mean, if a, a guy like that, you wish uh, all the good things. But what I heard was um, also, I guess that was also on the Stroge point that they talked about when they changed uh, direction with one of the albums uh, i don't remember which one that he got uh, the he got he went on a us tour and the fans the death metal fans they were so angry that he uh, went for the more uh, prog aspect uh, like less of the growling and more yeah, clean yeah. singing yeah, they they wanted to beat him up i mean that that to me that's so stupid i mean there's tons of bands that you can listen to that are still the same i mean I promote. I, I I wish them uh, let him do whatever he wants. You know, like exactly, yeah. yeah. And I think he went a little bit bold there because what he did uh, to really provoke them was that uh, they went went on tour and they decided to play no songs with Growl on that tour. Okay. And he was just uh, he was kind of thinking about this from a technical point of view that he thought that if he'd start growling, he'd he'd have a harder time nailing the clean vocals. 
because he always felt that that was the dif- most difficult thing to do live. Obviously, it is quite hard to sing live. Mm. So I think it was that kind of choice. And then, um, yeah, that didn't go down too well. And he added that uh, the band got closer together. They had a, lo- a few lineup changes. And then there were these five guys out and everybody hated them. So they got really close together, you know, they really <laughs> amped up the team, uh, so to speak. So he's still happy that he did it. But he said uh, of his choices, it was one of the choices that maybe was a little bit over the top. Yep. They were only cl- clean sung songs. Mm. Even though they have awesome clean sung songs, they did one from the album we're on now, Still Life, uh, Face of Melinda, which is yep. like a classic rock song, slightly jazzy, quasi jazzy, and really good. Awesome song. I, I'd uh, I'd be happy to hear that one over any growling song, to be honest. <laughs> uh, but then again, a full set with no growls, they don't do that anymore. Now they whip out Deliverance, Demon of the Fall. They're great live now, I have mm. to add. Like when I stopped being their fan, they kind of peaked live and they're still on that peak. They're awesome live. It is. I think we, we, we talked about that also, that uh, what, what happens normally in the band's career is that they release a their best albums at the start maybe middle and then the albums kind of yeah you know people start stop listening to them but live they're just killing it they just become better and better except maybe for glenn danzig but <laughs> yeah that's yeah, for <laughs> we're not gonna get caught on glenn danzig again i think he was uh, <laughs> appearing in the last episode <laughs> as a uh, un- undisclosed guest but uh yeah that's a common thing and i don't know i i've I thought about that a lot, that bands, when they actually become professional, they, they lose it a bit in the studio quite often, which is a bit sad because there are examples of bands that did not go down this path. They went professional and stuff got better. Yeah. When around the time this riff was recorded, they were rumored to suck live. <laughs> I remember your friend Josef said something like, <laughs> yeah, great band, but they suck live. <laughs> you know, they're, they're terrible live. Uh, but I, I, I think it was uh, around the time we s- I really started listen to, listening to them that they started playing live after years of not doing it because of a bad yeah. first experience. Uh, so yeah, the, that makes sense that true, they only true. get better. Uh, but one more question while we're on the topic of Opet. Uh, Mikael Ockefeldt as a guitar player, as a, as awesome, a riff awesome. meister. I think as a great guitar player. Uh, he's. I have always thought he was... Now they have Fredrik Åkesson, who is like a shredmeister. And he was mm. the teacher of a few of my friends here in Stockholm. He's just one of the best guitarists in Sweden. But I still prefer Mike and the way he solos, especially soloing. He has this kind of Santana, breezy thing, mm. very classic rock-oriented when he's soloing. And I love it. And I think he should solo more. Uh, he's got some great stuff there. And as far as Riffmeister goes, uh, no Iomi, no Hetfield, no Mustaine, but... Uh, in Sweden, he should be in the top. Yeah. Who else here from here from Sweden like have pulled out the fattest riffs? <laughs> Michael Abbott, maybe. <laughs> he's pretty cool at that. Yeah, he steals yeah. them, but they're fat. <laughs> and who else? Uh, Jensen, Patrick Jensen. Oh, yeah. The Bjorler. I would say uh, maybe Niklas Frisk. Uh, also, maybe not so much riff. He is more of a lead man. You know, he like he does his leads, which are you know. He's kind of uh, Robbie Kruger influenced. I feel like he has mm-hmm. this Robbie Kruger thing going on. Robbie Kruger from um, The Doors, who always mm-hmm. played an SG as well. Oh yeah, um, and uh, he has that kind of Robbie Kruger tone and oh, something like yeah. that. We'll when he actually post. pulled out a strat when I saw them live, he pulled out a strat and he said like, I can't play strat to, strats too often because I immediately sound like. Uh, Knopfler, 
Mark Knopfler <laughs> when I play a Strat. And then they started playing, and yeah, in, indeed, he did sound like Mark Knopfler <laughs> on a Strat. <laughs> Automatically. But that's a great band that we should cover later. I don't know if our listeners are up to speed on um, Atomic Swing. Yeah, they should be. They should be. They just released the best track of the year, I think, in my book. Oh my God, it was uh, so good. Yeah, and, and it's produced in a very, I would say, almost electronic manner. It's too tight. But somehow yeah. he, he kind of, he's a genius, I think, in the studio because he makes everything sound so so right. Like I wouldn't change a, a thing about it. And it's not really a, a vi uh, organic sound at all. It sounds almost electronic, like it could be a clear up song or something like that. Because no, it's so tight on the 4-4. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. It's, it's quite stiff. And I think that in a good way, but I think you, you really, you said something nice that... Uh, when he plays it live, they're gonna, there's going to be a, another groove to it that really, like you hear the song two times. First yeah, yeah. in the studio and then live, and it's going to be more uh, groovy for sure. Yeah, and isn't that awesome when bands do that? I love that because it's like a double gift. First you get a gift of a very nicely produced and put together piece of music, and then yeah. you get like a whole other beast when it comes live because uh, they're, gonna, they're great live. They have a good band, and uh, it's going to have a new feel. I'm sure, because mm. it's very studio-like. What, what's the name of the song? Uh, I Want My Own Cross. So, uh, guys, if you're listening, you should really go listen to it. It's fantastic. A new single from Atomic Swing. Atomic Swing, My Own Cross. Something like that, right? Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I told my friend uh, that there was a new uh, Atomic Swing song out. She was like, are they still, <laughs> are they still a band? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it was I 15 years ago. Technically, maybe uh, they're not. <laughs> Maybe they're not, uh, technically. I think that, that song could very well be just Niklas. Yeah. I think it's the band. Uh, you have the Mickey Lose on uh, backing vocals. He's got to be the there. He's got to be there on, on, on backing vocals. And, and I think and, I recognized, uh, recognized the bass uh, player as well. He's uh, amazing. Okay, cool. All these uh, very melodic uh, walkarounds, let's say. Yeah. More Swedish music. A lot of Swedish music today. But it yeah. makes sense, I guess, to, to get on, onto that topic. Uh, yeah, I thought to introduce uh, a riff from another country. Let's see if you recognize it. All right. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll I'll wrap up the 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 more riff. Uh, just uh, yeah, please. We already discussed the feeling of it. Adventure, start of an adventure, start of a concept. Right. Um, we discussed the contents of it. Uh, chromatic notes, a mixing of A minor but with an E minor root, and uh, uh, also a band without any real success. There's no real success there yet. I mean, I think he was living at his mom's still at that time. Still? four albums in. And as a kid, I couldn't believe that, that a band could release four great albums and still like the, the main guy is living with his mother. <laughs> and uh, I think he moved out around that time. Uh, and he was in Asbuden in a tiny apartment eating um, canned food. And he yeah. wrote these songs on a piece of paper, you know, a lined piece of paper, just saying like, Camel riff four times, Morbid Angel riff four times, <laughs> and then uh, some notes about maybe what to sing on top of it. So I think that primitive way of writing was great for him uh, because later albums he has his own studio and it's well put together, but maybe it's put together too early on with just him in the room. Whereas with Still Life, he'd come in, he'd have his ideas written on shitty pieces of paper, and then he had a producer and an engineer and uh, to try and um, make sense of it. And I think a lot of magic happens that way. When yeah. You, when you bring just the, 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 the rawest ingredients and then you have like a kind of meeting of minds and put it together as a band. So I think a uh, great album. 
And they would continue, of course, with Blackwater Park, the next album, which is one of my favorite albums. It's just uh, out of this world. It's so good. Arguably the best one. I was close to pick a riff from that one, but uh, I tried it before recording and I didn't nail it at this time. So I ah, to, this ah, one in I a couple of weeks, in a couple of weeks, Jonas, <laughs> you'll yeah, have it. Yeah, but it's uh, a small band from Sweden, so I think Opeth is not going to be here as often as uh, Black Sabbath or... Uh, Metallica. No, for knows? sure. There for are sure. no limits again, guys. So uh, to anyone listening, we don't put any limits on how many times a band can be here and not really any limits on how known the band has to be because it's about the riff. Yeah, no, it's going to be UFO uh, riffs for uh, three weeks straight. So get ready. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. Michael Schenker, one of yeah. the best ever. Why not? Um, I was thinking a bit uh, before... Uh, I mean, thank you for bringing this uh, riff back to our uh, collective consciousness. This sounded really yeah. good. You want to play it one more time? All right. Let's, to finish it off, uh, I'll play it. Yeah. yeah. Nice. It's really heavy. It, it sounds it could be another band. That's why I was a bit like, is it like a break riff from an haunted album is it uh, something else I, uh, yeah but now i yeah more and more i start to recognize it. it's going to be nice to uh, listen to the song again uh, yeah. so thank you very much yeah final piece of trivia for that is um, because they were so poor and hadn't succeeded yet they slept in the studio without beds so they just <laughs> slept on the studio floor and apparently the bass player or drummer, uh, Mendez or Lopez, slept in the bathroom in the tub, and the pillow was a bunch of porn magazines. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, just to kind of emphasize on how shitty a band they were success-wise at yeah. this time, compared to how grand the album is, I think it's fun to know. <laughs> so that's it for, uh, for the more. That's it for Opeth. Uh, let's hear what you have brought for this episode. Yeah. All right, guys, uh, my uh, riff for the week. Um, here we go. See if you recognize it. Okay. Yeah. Excellent choice. Excellent what was choice. it? What was it? This is uh, this will be snakes for the divine by um, High on Fire. Yes, and uh, and we've decided we have decided for this episode, and we we're probably going to stick with it that we don't know which riff the other guy picks. We guess yeah. in real time, and this one I knew it after two notes. Uh, great, uh, almost like a lead, but it's definitely a riff. Definitely, uh, it's uh, it comes. It's of course the intro of the song uh, "Snakes for the Divine" from the album of the same name from Matt Pike's and Jeff Matt's uh, "High on Fire." Uh, Fire. Excellent band. Yeah, it, it's um, it's one of the is such a crushing intro. Uh, so extremely metal in a way that so it was extremely it, metal. Yeah, and with that title, "Snakes yeah. Divine," you know, <laughs> it has that this metal all over it. Before, uh, if, if you know a little bit about Matt Pike, he, uh, of course, uh, was in Sleep, this uh, doom band heavily influenced by Black Sabbath, and, uh, but then, which we will probably get back to a bit later. But uh, then he started uh, High on Fire, which is a more high-octane uh, band. Uh, so it, it, simply put, he uh, started playing faster. And, but yeah. this riff, it's still like uh, uh, faster and more metal than 
the records that came before. Um, the song even like uh, it, it it goes on with this chugger of a riff afterwards, but um, uh, yeah. I'm not sure I can do that one justice. But it, it's uh, it's an amazing song, and I think Jeff Matz is it's nice to it's it's good to mention him because he put some excellent chords behind this uh, this awesome lead chords. riff yeah. intro that just like uh, cements it. It's so heavy. And then in yeah. the in in the chorus, he plays this part on the bass, yeah, yeah. which is also yeah, really really that nice. Time I heard it because High on Fire, if you don't know, it's a three piece. It's kind of inspired by the Motorhead sound in a way. They don't sound a shit ton like Motorhead because Motorhead is more rock and roll, and High on Fire has a lot more thrashy and and metal ish elements. Uh, mm. But uh, when they pl- when I heard the song, I thought, okay, yeah, this shit is orchestrated. Uh, but then you listen, and it's like. They pretty much stay within the three-piece formula. Obviously, he's overdubbed his guitar, but uh, they orchestrated the song as a three-piece. And I thought, like, okay, the chorus is coming in. Uh, I want it to be that intro riff. <laughs> you know, you can feel, okay, the chorus is coming here. I want it to be that intro riff. It needs to be featured again. And then it's there. Matt plays his chords, uh, and he uh, sings. And then Jeff comes in playing the melody, and it's just such a mm. great solution to it. And his sound mm. is awesome. His playing is awesome. So he should definitely be mentioned alongside mm. Matt Pike mm. in any uh, discussion about High on Fire. Mm. Um, so when I was um, when I was thinking when we were first talking about this uh, this idea of having a riff podcast, I was really really like uh, first I felt like okay have I played enough uh, electric guitar? Have I practiced this? Like I feel really. You know, like my, my fingers are like especially today when there's no heating here in my studio where I'm sitting, so I'm like kind of freezing. My fing- my fingers fe- feel yeah, like yeah. Uh, wet sausages almost, and then I have to play. <laughs> I, I choose this riff, I mean, but it is about um, also challenging yourself. I think to it to, is it is yeah. I think you played it well, back. and I'm really happy in the context of High on Fire that you choose a riff that is this is not a typical Ulle riff. I wouldn't say you're a bit more of a chunky riff type guy mm. so i'm really happy with this choice excellent choice it's so melodic <laughs> it's, it's borderline you you just priest made and then you know i love that kind of 80s metal stuff so yeah but i think the, there's one band that has to be mentioned when you, when you talk about this riff because if you if you uh take this riff down to its components it's uh, it's what's happening uh, I'll, I'll play it uh once more Played it a bit slower there, but there is um, yeah. So you have a uh, hammer-on pull-off situation, kind of, where you go from uh, uh, which tr- which string are you on? Are you on the E or yeah, I'm e? on the on the high E, and the, the high B. E, yeah. yeah. So I'm guessing it's a pure pure minor E from what I hear. Like the mm. notes in there all fit into the natural minor E. Yeah, and uh, a ton of pull-offs, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, you can go ahead and dissect the contents of it. Yeah. So you, so you, if you play it really uh, slowly, if you're on the fifth, you start on the fifth. Uh, oh no, like no, you start on the seventh fret, uh, yeah. light E string or high E string, and then you release it, but you hit it again, so you hit uh, an open string. So you hit open strings in between every note. Uh, yeah. Just like in a very famous intro. Uh, riff from another band 
but from on the other side of the world, I don't know if you can guess which uh, band I'm thinking of. Mm, I would go with this riff. Uh, let's see if it's that same riff, or let's see if I can play it. Oh, okay. It, it was very, a very, very nice choice. Uh, I was thinking about uh, a, a totally different riff, but uh, ah, cool. Uh, let's see. Oh yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. Thunderstruck. I gotta yeah. play it too because it's so fun. Yeah, great riff. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I think he has the same. It's the same idea there of um, of releasing. Um, uh, and uh, playing an alternate uh, open string, so you have your uh, your fret notes, and then you have an open uh, yeah. string yeah. in between, which gives this uh, effect of like a, a delay or an echo, but also like this. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's really it. It's really you can't really do it in in any riff. It really has to be. Um, or I, I mean, it's not that often that you hear it. Uh, it's more like it sounds like it should be in the middle of a solo or something, or that there's uh, there should be some uh, god awful tapping going on. But uh, yeah, yeah. there's no tapping. Uh, yeah. There's just like you, you like tapping uh, as little as Richie Blackmore likes tapping. I guess <laughs> you're not into it. <laughs> well, well, I like this the the one tap uh, that they do in uh, CC Top. But we, we <laughs> uh, like for me That's the classic deep. tapping is the solo in one, and I like that one. Uh, yeah, too, but I know. It's definitely I, an overused technique because it's fairly <laughs> easy to make your sound like a laser guitar just yeah. because it's easier to make the notes fly out faster and with a wider range because of that tapping finger exactly but but in this uh, in these examples three examples that we use i think it was the same in yours the, the, there is an alternate uh up down picking uh on every note on the yeah. the, the fret notes and the open uh, string notes that gives this. Uh, it sounds extremely fast. That, that I think that's uh, yeah, what you yeah, get yeah, from That's it. why metal people like this uh, pull-off yeah. technique, I guess. And uh, it's uh, in a theoretical context, it's called a pedal note. Yeah. So basically, you get two guitars because you have the melody uh, on top, which is the the fretted notes, and then the non-fretted mm. notes are like a drone hanging in the background, almost like you know a chord in between, like a rhythm guitar. Uh, if yeah. we talk about, uh, for example, with the the haunted, you have yeah. always like that, and yeah. always in between you have the in between the notes, so you create an effect of both rhythm and and lead. Mm. So it's almost like a double double duty type of riffing. Exactly. I think it's, uh, but it, he uses it to great effect, and I think it just comes back. Uh, twice or once more in the end, I think. Uh, yeah, once in the end, if I recall correctly, once yeah. in the end, just like a, an obvious choice of an outro. When I when I listen to that song, the other riffs they rock too, but you always kind of lean back and want to go back into that. Yeah, really great start riff. It's great because yeah. it sounds. It's it, again we made we we could easily pick out other examples of similar riffs from legendary huge artists, but still the snakes for the divine riff. It's new. I hadn't heard mm. that particular, you know, order of, of of notes before, and I think that speaks a lot to how much music you can find within 
a single scale. You don't really need to go all Byzantine or <laughs> Phrygian no. dominant or something to sound. No, unique. for sure. This is pure, pure <laughs> minor, pure regular minor, and it's yeah. still like a new, fresh melody in a way. Mm. And he has, um, if we go a little bit uh, deeper on the on the on the um, uh, the topic of the song and the album, it's. Uh, <laughs> I, I I like how Matt Pike he puts it. He talks about yeah, you know how he he kind of speaks. Uh, he's a gruff gruff guy. You know he's kind of the fa uh, uh, face outwards for uh, al uh, alcoholism. Uh, he used to be <laughs> weed, not weed addiction, overly weed smoking. As well. Yeah, uh, yeah. Face but out he, for drugs in general. Yeah, but I think he uh, he dialed back a bit, so he looks way more fresh these days. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. He's actually sober uh, these days. Uh, yeah. From what I heard, he only eats a little bit of weed as a kind of uh, medical uh, adjustment. And uh, if you just do that a little bit, it's, it's, uh, you're no longer even a stoner. He's no. just basically on light medication now. And mm. he's really like kind of enthusiastic about the sober thing. And I, I think that's a great thing because I saw like a short clip of him and Abath, Abath from Immortal. Yeah. When they were touring together just five years back and they were like super high on amphetamine. Mm. I could clearly see that and drunk, and you know, like just kind of uh, hyping each other. Like, yeah, what do you want to do with your life? You want to be the hero, right? You want to be out there and uh, conquering the world. You don't want to be in your sofa. And they're like, yeah, you're so cool. You're the Elvis of black metal. <laughs> like, mm. And uh, you could see that this is not going in a good direction. And mm. even Abbath went sober after that tour. You know? <laughs> so that's like kind of the ultimate meeting of druggies and alcoholics. Just yeah. kind of pulling each other over the top into I gotta get sober. No, exactly. I was a bit, I was shocked also when I saw uh, the High on Fire got a Grammy for uh, for a song, uh, best, best metal performance. One of these, uh, uh, the, the part of the event that isn't shown on TV, that's just <laughs> when it, there is a commercial break, they pull out the uh, best appearance in heavy metal or something. And he goes okay, up yeah. on stage with Jeff Matz and the drummer, who I forget the name of, I'm sorry, uh, drummer of High of Fire, uh, they go up on stage and he's uh, Matt Pike is leaning on a cane and he looks like he's seventy years old. It's terrible. Yeah, yeah, I've seen this and I, in my memory he was on crutches. Okay, even worse. Then. Yeah, but I think it's a cane probably because that's more yeah. that's more metal. Yeah. <laughs> that's more metal lord. Yeah. Okay. So so I was uh, thinking about uh, talking a bit about the the theme of the record and the song. It uh, oh, yeah. and how he describes it. It's very. Matt Pikey, uh, it's uh, it's it's uh, snakes for the divine. It's the uh, the idea that Adam, before he met Eve in the Garden of Eden, he had another uh, wife. The the snake, uh, well, like a reptilian uh, humanoid, yeah, a, you know, uh, being called Lilith, and they uh, they also spawned this uh, demonic underworld of like uh, yeah. Uh, hell creatures and, yeah. and but uh and then he, he he says this and he's like yeah i thought that would be a great uh theme for a metal album blah 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 you know the rest like yeah <laughs> so yeah, i, I think he has a very on from there he, yeah. he has a laid back uh you know he, he's he, he doesn't take things too serious but i think what he takes serious is uh the honing of the riff, you know. I think he's one of these for sure, uh, for sure. Th these guitarists that really are about uh, the search for 
the riff, you know, the riff, the perfect riff. And I think yeah. that goes through a lot of in in Doom and Stoner Rock, the the continuation from that, and also the realization maybe that it can be a bit sad that uh, they're all just building on top of uh, Tony Iommi and uh, some other seventies rock guitarists. Pretty much, they're, he just did so much that it's hard to you know do something new. But I think with this riff. Still, like, there's something that if Tony Iommi had written this, he would be quite proud, I would say. Yeah, it's it's fresh, and Tony has, hasn't written any riffs that sound like this. It's not in the Tony world anymore, so no. that makes it fresh. It leans more towards towards Priest or Maiden, but still it doesn't sound like Priest or Maiden because it's dirtier and heavier. Yeah. Uh, the way it's presented, and it's kind of more wild, I would say, more punkish in a way the whole presentation. So I think it's just, a, for me, it's my favorite song by High on Fire, I yeah. would say. It's kind of, he nails it in the song, I think. And I was a big fan of Blessed Black Wings, mm. huge song. Uh, another one that comes to mind is Fury Whip. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah for sure. And uh, Rumors of War is a good one also. Rumors of War, yeah. <laughs> Spit in the evil eyes. Yeah, I was thinking cool. about that. <laughs> Spit in the evil eyes. <laughs> So good. Yeah, the, it's awesome. His uh, the 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 phrasing or the, the, the like timing of it is just perfect. It's almost comedic how good the timing is. Yeah, good metal should be almost comedic. I think to really get that kind of ah <laughs> effect. You know, it sounds it, so well timed. I mean, uh, he is a funny guy, also, Matt Pike. Uh, yeah, I must say, every time I've seen him, it's been a blast. Uh, yeah. He's good on stage. He has a good banter with. Uh, with the audience for sure and always in the good good spirits i would say yeah i saw them on the tour for uh, not for snakes for the divine but for death is this communion where you find i think fury whip is on that one uh, yeah title track is cool too i saw them on that one on a, in a small venue in, in stockholm and i remember I, I i had been listening quite a bit to it so i was singing along with the, the lyrics in the yeah in the title track and uh, i remember matt uh, noticing it and giving me the pointing and agreeing <laughs> like <laughs> I see you, and I dig it. <laughs> Wasn't this the same uh, the same gig when the sword was opening for them? Could be, could be. There was some gig when we saw the sword, and we kind of we kind of enjoyed how generic they were. So yeah. we we started singing uh, Hetfield ish or Danzig ish melodies on top of all the riffs because <laughs> it was loud enough in those days. We didn't disturb <laughs> other people by doing exactly. This. <laughs> They're a good. They're a cool band. They're a cool band, but they are. They had a generic thing going, so I'm not terribly surprised that they called it quits. I think it was a good. Oh, they did. Okay. How much of that could have they have done? You know, how much could have they have done in that style? It was, it was very yeah. done already when they started. But good sounding yeah. band. Yeah, I saw them uh, opening for Metallica in in uh, Globen in Stockholm, uh, oh, and yeah. of course they get five minutes of. Uh, uh, sound check so they sounded absolutely terrible you couldn't hear anything and it was really sad <laughs> it was the saddest yeah, thing yeah. I ever saw you know like a, four guys standing in the middle of the worst sounding arena in Sweden and you can't hear yeah. a note and they really work I, I mean that's terrible and then Metallica comes out and it sounds better for Christine, sure or better at least at that time they were on, on a low in terms of their live performances but uh, uh, yeah it wasn't it wasn't a good uh, uh, it wasn't very good, no. <laughs> I discussed this when I was on Alpha Metallica about uh, Metallica Live, that they, everyone, is, it's kind of a known fact that uh, they don't want the 
opening acts to sound good. So they don't give them the whole PA system. They yeah. drop out a, a few of the big fat subs and you know yeah. they give them a thin sound and I when I first heard of this I thought like what assholes you know what a yeah. dick move <laughs> you know just to <laughs> become better and you can give the opening act a full sound but I kind of went 180 on this I feel like it's kind of in their rights to do this they are the guys selling out the arena they are the guys giving you the spot and lending you their PA they can choose how much of the PA they're going to lend you mm. I think and it's their show. I saw them with Big Four, so there was prolific opening acts, Megadeth, Anthrax, and Slayer. Mm. And Slayer, they tend to sound amazing live. And at this particular time, they sounded kind of thin. So they actually had to probably had to sign the same contract as everybody else. <laughs> That's terrible. And uh, last time I went to Metallica, it was Quiller Talk before, a band that I, I really enjoyed for a bit, but I didn't want to see them. I came in right at the ecstasy uh, Ecstasy of Gold. Yeah, yeah, that's when I wanted to enter the arena. Ecstasy of Gold and uh, four beers in my hand. <laughs> excellent. Uh, that was excellent. yeah, that was excellent. A great gig too. It was on the Hardwire tour. Oh yeah. So uh, back to Matt Pike. Uh, we were talking about his way of speaking. It's very funny. He's, he has this stoner uh, stoner melody when he's speaking. So the, the end of his sentences often sound like a question. And you know, it's like chopping somebody's heads off. Yeah. Yeah. He moved to uh, California when he was uh, 15, I think, and he really got into that way of speaking. He moved from Colorado, where they don't really speak like that, I think. And, uh, but in, in California, they really have this... Uh, uh, the ending, the, the rising end of every uh, uh, sentence that makes him sound... But he really went for it, and it sounds really, uh, also really kind of dopey. And, uh, dopey and a little bit male bimbo. Yeah, you know, that's like what he likes jock. to go for. <laughs> yeah. You often see him uh, uh, during the Roadburn uh, festival in Tilburg in Amsterdam. You see him uh, without a shirt. Uh, <laughs> on the yeah, side he's of the usually street. without a shirt. I yeah. mean, Loudwire put up a video like Matt Pike shows his favorite riffs wearing a shirt. It was in the title. <laughs> it's, you know, just so rare. <laughs> Do you know any uh, Matt Pike riffs? Uh, I don't really. I, I know them in my ear, but I haven't played them. But uh, Fury Whip is something like, isn't it something like... Uh, I don't know, he uses those notes a lot anyway. Yeah, For a later yeah. episode, I might, I might put one in. But I just want to play a quick clip of uh, Matt Pike speaking, because we're oh, yeah, on that please. topic now. So this is a clip of Matt Pike uh, addressing what is heavy. Heavy is about being pissed off and being a warlord and laying down like just like someone like that was in battle just if they had an axe and just chopped some dude in the head and it landed and you have a riff <laughs> that plays the same way that way that's heavy absolutely that's awesome Love that Okay, so there we had uh, the riff Dragon Out uh, by uh, Matt Pike's former band Sleep. I mean, th there you have it. It's more, uh, <laughs> it's more of a generic uh, uh, analog riff of uh, uh, something that could appear on, uh, on a Black Sabbath album. I mean, that's kind of what they went for. It's kind of finding this, the riff that just goes on forever. And I think you, you have an interesting take on uh, sleep, I think. Yeah, I mean, I've ranted about sleep before, but for me, uh, 
first off, that riff is great. I, I used to play that a bit. It's a very dopey riff. Uh, yeah. It has the dope vibe, like Master of Reality. Yeah. Uh, that, that era of Sabbath, it's very clearly derived, but uh, still it's a standout riff. And uh, I think it does what maybe Sleep couldn't do for me overall, which is uh, reinvent the, the wheel. And that's uh, mm. the problem I had with them is that they came out in the 90s and everyone is hyping them like, oh, this is such a cool, uh, dopey band. And uh, what I heard was just Black Sabbath again, but with like mm. worse vocals, the worse sound, <laughs> and over the top uh, weed infused. <laughs> so I couldn't yeah. really like accept the fact that they were huge. Uh, but I have a lot of friends that love sleep. So, mm. I mean, respect is due, I think. I think it's, I, I, I just always notice when you go <laughs> on a rant on Facebook about them. Uh, it's interesting <laughs> to talk about, but, but we, it's nice that you like this riff. I think it's really good as well. Um, but I think for, for me, I think I listen more to uh, uh, more. I'll lis- uh, I'll, uh, I'm more likely to listen to High on Fire than uh, Sleep, let's say. Uh, more energy. Uh, which is uh, maybe it's not uh, for for me. Uh, I used to be really into you know stoner rock and this like the search for the riff, uh, the riff. not not caring so much about the context. But uh, growing older, I think I, I I want to see it in a context. Um, but I mean, already early uh, on, we we mocked stoner rock as we were having a stoner band and loving the music. We had mm. this, there was this web portal stonerrock.com. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> listed kind of all of them in different kinds of stoner, stoner doom or whatever. Yeah. And we kind of laughed when there was a riff that was too generic or a band that was too generic. And we said like, yeah, this fits stonerock.com. This is like a stonerock.com band. Yeah. Stonerock.com riff. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could also, if you did, didn't like the, the, uh, the stoner rock uh, uh, title, you could change. <laughs> they also registered doom rock or something like that. they had different <laughs> okay. names for their portals or different portal names for the website so you could yeah. you could choose what header it was it was something like doom central or i don't i don't remember but <laughs> it was central, definitely yeah. a website i was on uh, a lot <laughs> back in the day all right so uh, about let's let's go back to your original riff um, uh, from the little detour with uh, dragonaut and i wanted to ask you uh, same as you asked me, what's the kind of what, what feeling is invoked? What what feeling is provoked when you hear that uh, riff from uh, Snakes for the Divine? I think uh, what's amazing about this riff is um, that it seems so difficult to play, uh, and uh, it's really like it sounds uh, when you hear it the first time. It's like what the fuck is going on? You know, it's all over the fretboard. But in reality, like even even I could play it, I, I realized, and it just it, you can make it sound great very easily. It, it's it's a very uh, you know like uh, riff friendly riff. So it's like uh, or uh, how could I put it? It's uh, it's I not hard. Call it economical. It's an it's economical ec- riff. Yeah, it's you economical. Get a lot of but- a lot of profit from less investing. Yeah, but it has this uh, effect of sounding like you know multiple guitars, like you know, like layers upon layers of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Again, with the, the pe- with the pedal note there, the pedal note gives another layer, so that it's kind of yeah, complete but, music. Yeah, like and, a piece and, of and music. I, I, I want to play it uh, one, one more time here, and uh, it's sure. just like it, uh, and it just so I can. Uh, after that, I will say exactly how I feel when I play it. Also, sure. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> 
So what, what I feel is I feel really powerful when I play it. I mean, I that I can pull off this riff. Uh, it's almost as powerful as when you hear it on the record the first time. It's uh, it's great. Sure. It's just a great riff. And um, I think in in general, maybe people don't think of it as a riff because it it is played on the high strings. Uh, it is uh, very different from. Uh, uh, from uh, yeah the the other riffs of uh, Matt Pike's uh, uh, discography, uh, but it is uh, it just makes it all that better that it's such a standout you know like it's uh, it's it's so uh, it's such a contrast to the rest of the song it is a contrast to uh, the music that he plays and also the the inspiration I think it comes from another yeah. place and I, I think. Uh, uh, that just makes it an awesome riff, and uh, yeah, really happy that we uh, we talked about it. Yeah, I agree completely. And speaking of my riff for the episode, the mm. the, the more riff that it feels like kind of the start of an adventure, it's kind of more of a, I guess, a bleak start. You know, you've been banished from the city. You're like, how am I even gonna get alive again? Something like that, uh, from the perspective of of the protagonist and yeah. in this one it's more like the protagonist is he's on a fucking uh, successful revenge already <laughs> successful re- <laughs> revenge spree he's like reconquering the throne or something it's a very yeah. empowering sound yeah it is uh it, it invokes this uh, images uh, i think uh, of the bat you know dust uh one of our favorite dust, bands. yeah the, or, or man of war actually it has some man of war imagery in my head when I yeah but i'm really thinking about this frank Frasetta drawings that uh was made for conan books back in the days this uh, bulky hulking vikings with uh, giant axes you know giant uh, axes in a snowy snowy landscape you know trying to chop each other's heads off and it's just like that's that's the kind of feeling you get. Yeah, also. yeah, they're, they're, they're doing that. Kind of like the quote that he brought in. It's a bit of that vibe to it. And uh, mm. yeah, it's uh, it's an awesome imagery, really. Like, it's so metal, so unapologetically metal. There's no um, social phobia here, you know, trying to cover <laughs> up your me- metal with, uh, I don't know, shorts or short hair or spikes or something. There's no no such thing here. It's complete warrior metal. Yeah. No, for sure, I, I I agree completely. Uh, it'd be interesting to to find like the complete uh, opposite of this uh, of this riff for next week. Maybe that's sure, my sure. goal. <laughs> uh, yeah, just uh, really exemplifying that the riffs can sound very differently, and sometimes it's like, yeah. is this really a riff, or is this a sequence of chords? I have a few riffs lined up that are pretty much just uh, hitting uh, power chords in a certain order and that could be deemed a more of a harmonization of whatever mm. vocal is on top but for me they still qualify as riffs yeah no for sure i mean but i think there is uh, there's probably going to be a few outlier riffs that we choose that we might disagree upon you know is that really a riff does it really have the qualities of uh, uh, of what each of us think is a riff i think i have the feeling that we're kind of close in our approx uh, our idea of what uh, a riff is or should be or can be but i think it's going to be exciting going forward to, to see like can we find like the edge of riftum yeah yeah <laughs> the edge of riftum i'd like that it'd be really fun if i or you brought a riff and the other one was uh, hesitant as to whether it's even a riff yeah. and then you could spend a few minutes trying to convince uh, your peer that it is in fact a riff 
Yeah, I mean, uh, like a, a riff that only appears once that isn't even repeated. I mean, is that a riff? You know, they, you can really yeah, you can yeah. think of... Uh, there's so many things, uh, there's so many parameters that we put into this very short, very powerful word, uh, riff. Riff. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Riff. Love it, riff. love it. Yeah, it's a great it's word. Just, uh, yeah, and it's such, it's, you can find it in most music. And if you really want to get freaky with it, you bring it to the wrong instrument and you start speaking about <laughs> drum riffs. Yeah, <laughs> like there are there are drum riffs. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, dear listener, there are drum riffs. <laughs> and no, it's not drum fills. It's not drum beats. There are actual drum riffs. Yeah, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, but that pretty much uh, sums it up for this uh, episode. Now, it's, yeah, uh, let's just sum up the, the the snakes for the divine riff. It's um, in content E minor, it's kind of lead-ish. It has a pedal note of E, comes yeah. in. It is adventurous, but more on the violent side of adventure, like a powerful warrior type feeling. It yeah. is sounding fresh for being so generic in content, and it's awesome. Definitely. Great riff. I would okay. say it's a lot better than my riff in this episode. But, uh, <laughs> it's not a fair comparison either. Uh, no, they're very different, but um, shall we play them back to back just as an uh, all right, outro? All right. Yeah, I'll go first then. Okay. All right. The riff that I can't play. <laughs> uh, I, I will learn it for sure. Um, I also, uh, I also, I also take this as, as an opportunity to get better at riffing. It's uh, every week. I think I, I, I felt like for this episode, really. Oh, I want to challenge myself. Can I play this one? Is it gonna be? Uh, you know, <laughs> am I gonna rise to the challenge? I think it went okay. Uh, I must say, it's, uh, it's. Uh, I also I like to be transparent that I'm practicing every day now uh every morning i i do this uh uh fingering uh technique uh uh of the spider all across the neck uh it's going okay it's really uh, for me it felt like playing guitar for the first time uh right. but then i yeah. also uh, uh, practice a certain metallica song uh really really fast yeah, which cool. is cool. really i mean it it feels really good if it, it feels like i do something new and uh hopefully i will get uh better at playing guitar by just being part of this podcast it's my it's my dream going forward so i would like to ask you do you have any uh dreams or hopes or aspirations maybe as opeth would put it hopes and aspirations <laughs> that's that's another bad promises you know i i uh uh, I, I kind of my hope is actually uh, I mean the guitar side is always fun but my hope is actually to get better at uh, at trying to do this amateur radio thing because mm -hmm. I, it was a, it's been a lifelong love for me and this is the first time I try and produce something like this so mm -hmm. my hope is to make good content and have a fun discussion and as far as my own entertainment goes it's so fun so that's not a problem and I would <laughs> like to add to your topic that playing a riff out of context alone solo like pretty much on air it's not easy it's quite yeah. hard to pull them out of context it's much easier to do it with a drummer uh, at least it, you, you hear less of the mistakes and so on 
Yeah. So, uh, and again, it's not going to be a clinic. If you want to learn how to play riffs correctly, if you want to hear good examples, there's so much on YouTube. Much better guitarists than us. Well, than, I mean, uh, in going, I agree completely, but uh, I think going forward, like maybe in uh, in a few hundred episodes in, we'll both be way better at it. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll uh, expand this universe into video. Who knows? It's, uh, it's like sure, you I'm get sure. all these dreams now, excitement, but... Uh, what I really hope going forward is also that we get some uh, nice discussion from our listeners and uh, yeah, our pros uh, <laughs> future listeners because we haven't released anything uh, yeah. at the time of recording. That's true. But uh, yeah, the, it's I'm um, really excited and uh, yeah, thank you for joining me this week, Jonathan. I've been yeah. Ulle and you've been listening to Gain It for Riffs. Yeah, and I would like to thank you for listening. And uh, again, if you want to support us, you can do that for free by. Uh, giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That's going to pull us up in the algorithms and, you know, uh, provide a way for the Riff fans to find the one and only Riff podcast. All right, that's it. So uh, next week, more Riffs and we um, hush. Nej, men det var fan, det funkar ju bra. Ja, bra avsnitt.